and welcome to the Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast exploring the latest decks, trends, and strategy for the casual spike in modern. My name is Stanislav, here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's Shane Beeps. Stan, it's good to hear from you, man. You too, my guy. Also with us on the line in Chicago, the one and only Dave Big Daddy Harburger. I made it. I only had one kid in the hospital this week, and I managed to make <laughs> it still somehow. So, big ups for Big Daddy. One more week with Dave is is all I ask for. It's a week in heaven, absolutely. Take it to your other podcast, Dave. Last but not least... <laughs> Certainly not the shortest, hardly the tallest, definitely not uh, the, the mildest, tallest. possibly the hottest. Ooh, it's yes. Back. Cool hands, Kuhl Han. Cool hand, how are we doing tonight, Stanislav? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm excited to be on the show with y'all again today. Uh, just off the top, we need to do some shout outs to some new friends that we made this week. We saw a bunch of new listeners come through thanks to some activity on Reddit. We posted in the Modern Magic page. And some permissions that we got to do that. So thank you to the moderators of that group for letting us uh, do a little bit of self-promotion. Yes, appreciated. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who took the time to not only listen, but to share feedback and give us ideas for future episodes Tell us what you like and the things you want to hear us work on. We read everything, and we're definitely going to take that to heart. Yeah, and uh, if you haven't already, you know, mash that subscribe button, podcast app of choice. You know, if you're on iTunes, shoot us a review. Uh, that it really helps other people find us. It makes us more visible on the the gaming podcast page and other pages in general. You know, we're just just getting going. You guys are a part of that. It's really important for us to be visible to people so they can find us. And honestly, that's enough of the shilling. That's all I really can stand. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna be asking you guys for money or anything like that. But help us be visible and keep listening. Keep giving us your feedback. All right, now let's jump into some tournament results. There were a couple big ones over the weekend. Both GP Oakland was modern, and SCG Open Columbus was Team Ununified modern. Man, I got to say this format, this, this team ununified is just, it's like, it's just like, why? Just why? It just like reduces variance maybe a little bit. I don't really get it. Maybe it's a little bit more fun. I think it was just an experiment, you know, like try something new, see what happens. And I think they, there's definitely more kind of difference in strategy in the sense that um, people tried teams with all three players on the same deck. People tried teams with people just kind of playing whatever deck they felt the strongest with and just kind of got together with other good players that they, that they believed in. So I thought it was kind of an interesting way to look at how people could build teams and sort of assess risk and try to manage variants. So don't know if they'll do it again, but yeah, I mean, I don't think people were upset about it. I think it was interesting to see some, you know, like a team's playing all amulet Titan, or we saw a team that was all on mono green Tron. Um, just because they, you know, people identify these as strong strategies and just want to roll with them, but ultimately it was just odd. It was just like here's three people playing together, and it didn't seem like it was, you know, there was no restrictions on the deck building. So it was just, it was like you said, it was just an experiment, just something to be a little bit different. You know, whatever whatever can reduce variance 
and allow better players to win is something that I think is advantageous to magic, like competitive magic in general. Right. Because, you know, even the best players have like what, like a mid 60s win rate. And so reducing that, I think, is something that would be interesting for people who's, who want to succeed at a competitive level. So we have a, a spreadsheet we did up where we looked at all of the results from the top 16 teams. So that's 48 total decks. And so we can run down through that list from, I guess we can go from top to bottom if you guys want. And kind of what I, what I think was interesting was that it basically has mirrored what we've been talking about the past few weeks. So we saw nothing really out of the ordinary in terms of the the decks that were were represented. Yeah, I was kind of expecting to see some spicy stuff happen too. Some people take some chances on new decks exactly. here. Maybe we'd see something come out of it because they knew that their two teammates maybe would go with something that was much more kind of directed, but uh or you know, more stable. But it really that the top of this meta was burn, uh was top of the list with six decks in the top uh sixteen. Amulet Titan was five decks in the top 16, including one team that played all Amulet Titan. Uh, yeah. Bant Spirits had five decks in the top 15. Ironworks had five in the top 15. Is it Phoenix had four and Jeskai Control had four. And so I think that those kind of top seven decks there um, sort of represent most of what people are expecting to see in the meta when they sit down to play Magic these days anyway. It's, it's always so interesting to me how frequently the control strategies show up at SEG. You know, we, we continually see the, you know, if you put in Azorius control and Jeskai control together, which isn't exactly fair, you know, they tie burn for the, the top placing top 16 archetype. Oh, wow. I think there are some inherent issues with this data and results because although burn has 16 or six decks in the top 16, none of them, placed higher than 10th place and uh, yeah. likewise because it's not immediately clear at least to me how the matchups worked out you can't really necessarily extrapolate who beat whom and you know who kind of got lucky and got carried by their team so although this is a nice yeah. snapshot of what's going on in the format i'm less likely to draw you know big conclusions about how i'm going to approach modern in the weeks to come What's most interesting to me is just how this continues to mirror what we've been seeing. And like Dave said, you know, no one, no one brought anything completely off the wall. These are all decks that we know, um, you know, nothing that's really unusual, nothing that seems like it's coming back out of the woodwork. These are all established modern decks that, you know, are, are tier one or tier two. Well, I think it's really interesting that uh is it phoenix has been around for three months or less and we're already yeah. used to it as a top player in the format according to goldfish it's the most popular deck in modern yeah so <laughs> to not be surprised that there isn't any new spice even though there's this new deck that you know pretty much emerged because of a printing from the most recent standard set it's kind of funny that how quickly modern got stale you know, just from the last three months. Cycle. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it says more about attention spans, really. I mean, people kind of want to see something new every week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, yeah. that you know, we want results. We want things to change every week. And so I think that that's a good note, Stan, to just be like, hey, there is a new deck in there. It's called Is It Phoenix? And people are still learning how to play it, still picking it up, and, and it's still powerful. So that's a good point. And still tuning it, I mean, yeah. honestly. 
you know the the scary thing for me you know as a as a mid-range player at heart is there's there's only a single jun list there's no black green <laughs> mid-range the only real mid-range deck represented here is grixis death shadow and there's only two of them and that's not really a true mid-range strategy it's just sort of a disruptive aggro strategy and then we have uh, you know there's no there's no black green rock there's um, the control decks are essentially the mid-range decks at this point. I know it's not fair to equate them, but that's mm. essentially what we have. Yeah, right I have now. some thoughts about that later. <laughs> uh-huh. but. Yeah, but I mean, mid-range is dead. I mean, essentially, you are you're just you're you're slamming your strategy. I mean, Bant, Bant Spirits, I guess you could consider sort of a mid-range deck. As far as I as would, I've considered that the premium mid-range deck. Yeah, disruptive aggro slash mid-range. That's what we're looking at now, or these kind of things. Well, because I mean, like they they have some sick plays, but they're not their most responsive stuff is happening. What turn three, four, and five, right? Like they're setting it up, and then they're yeah, you're right, setting it up, denying you, and then killing you. Yeah, it's a good point. You're right. They're not like after a sideboard, they might have a counter spell or two, but before you know, before the sideboard, they're not. It's not like a fairy strategy where it's more of a design. No, they're playing monthly wanderers and whatnot. They're playing low things that have value when they can, but are setting up some nonsense later. Yeah. So this, this is kind of why I think people are mildly frustrated with modern right now, which is, you know, the, the, the old ships passing in the night type concept where we don't see a lot of what counts as perhaps interactive strategies besides the control decks. And I know we had a conversation in our chat this week about, you know, what, what defines interactivity. And that's kind of a, that's a huge can of worms. Well, why don't we why don't we move on from this tournament and take a look at at see how this the results of this one compared to Oakland? Yeah, Oakland is wild. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> similar. Looking at the top sixteen, there's three burn decks, and the top burn deck was in tenth place again. Oh, really? That's yeah. hilarious. I did not realize that. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week how burns a, a totally solid strategy against these Phoenix decks. Yeah. right now. But Shane, what is the title of this episode? I believe the episode is called I for one welcome our new furnace overlords. Yeah. And Thank so, you everybody. When you take a look at Grand Prix Oakland's top eight results, things get a little bit different from this perspective, right? Yeah, this is people are already calling this the nail in KCI's coffin up in arms. The internet is up in arms. These fires cannot be quenched until we start burning some cards. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what happens when you get when you get four decks in a top eight. People get the pitchforks out, and in this case, it might be fair. You know, this just continues the trend of what we've been talking about and seeing, which is people are realizing the power and the relative lack of complete impossibility of playing it. Meaning, people can actually pick it up, learn it, and understand the, the loops. Right. Meaning, by the way, KCI we're talking about right yeah. now. Yeah, Kirk Clan, Kirk Clan Ironworks. Kirk Clan Ironwork. Yes, yeah, we saw we saw four of those. You know, piloted by classic KCI player uh, Matt Nass, who has something like an eighty-five percent win rate across what five GPs or something like that with a deck and two a wins. More I think. iconic duo. <laughs> <laughs> we have Sam Black, who uh, is no slouch at uh, the game of <laughs> game of Magic, and also at playing unfair decks. By the way, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, two more, two more dudes brought along KCI. Uh, we also saw Titan shifts, another, you know, deck along the same lines, not trying to do the same things, but trying to accomplish its combo goal. 
We saw Alex Olsen with white blue control trying to uh, hold the control strategies down. I like. The, hold on, let's let's give a shout out to this guy's name, Garth Draculis with Hardened Scales Affinity. Um, I watched a little bit of Hardened Scales this this weekend on the the GP stream and was reminded that it is extremely powerful, especially even late game. Like it doesn't really run out. It doesn't run out of steam in the same way that other aggressive decks can. But um, what I saw Hardened Scales Affinity do was really impressive in terms of the way that, you know, even late game, if you string together something like a, a walking ballista that you cast for a single mana, but you have two Hardened Scales out. Yeah, I, I watched Paul Rietzel do this. He had two Hardened Scales out late game, right? And he was top decking essentially against uh, a Spirits player with a pretty full board. And he top decks... And uh, I don't know if he top decked it. So he, he plays down a walking ballista late game for one mana, gets three counters on it. He plays an Arcbond worker for uh, a single mana, gets three counters on it because of the two hardened scales. He then nature's claims his Arcbond worker to give him valuable life. Uh, he puts the modular counters across onto the walking ballista plus the two hardened scales, brings the walking ballista up to eight counters and then begins to ping down the opponent's board. Yeah, I think it looks pretty sweet. I am definitely going to try this deck on Moto in the next couple of weeks. I've been meaning to for a while, but I've been very seduced by the Phoenix the last month or so. But I'm ready to try something different. I want to make one more comment about this top eight at GP Oakland. Is that the winner, Eli Cassis with Is It Phoenix, he won by default because his opponent, Hunter Cochran, conceded to catch a flight. So KCI could have potentially also won you know, a third GP. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was unusual. Like, have, have you guys ever seen that before? No, I, I don't remember that ever happening before. Yeah. That happens in a lot of Super Bowls and uh, playoff <laughs> games in the NBA. This happens all the time, right? Guys, we got to catch a flight back to Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Um, no, I think what's, what's, you know, people did complain about this. I did see some threads about, oh, this would never happen in a real sport and it's it's a bad look for Watsi. And that's not the equal it's not equal at all. That's something that happens all the time in competitive poker is people chop. They want to have it's it's the best equity for them and the best uh, EV for them to just take the chop and then just play it out for whatever the you know for the for the bracelet or for the the pride or something like that right yeah. and this happens all the time in competitive magic as well we just don't hear about it all the time people are chopping constantly because it's the best ev but we've never seen someone chop and just scoop yeah i mean i understand that that the, that player who was on kci had a, a big meeting or something the next day was the talk on twitter which is like totally fine you know you got to do what you got to do and it is what it is i mean maybe you walk into a place like that and you don't think you're going to be playing you know 13 hours later sure which is basically yeah. how these these events work out you know i think it says something about you know winning a gp is good for the cash right but there's there's no star making behind this and i know we can't have like a new star from every gp there's plenty of gps all the time but it, it says something about the publicity or the opportunity that winning a gp allots which is not up there Here, here's what i think is the big message out of this top eight by the way and that is that in a in a top eight where it was possible for Amulet Titan to make the top eight, where it's a powerful enough strategy at this point in the meta, Sam Black did not play Amulet Titan and played a different deck instead of that That's and a good also point. made the top eight. 
Sam Black, who's sort of known as one of the popularizers, designers, you know, with that group of people from Wisconsin of, um, of, of the Amulet Titan strategy in the first place, was like, no, I'm going to leave this, this on the shelf and I'm just going to play Ironworks instead. So that's, that's something that we've been seeing. You know, we see that KCI is probably the most powerful, the most resilient threat that's out there in modern right now. And people are slowly realizing that they can play it too. And they're taking it out there and winning with it. I think this marks a good spot to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to look a little more closely into KCI, how it works, and why it's coming up in a lot of conversations for the upcoming banned and restricted announcement. So stick around and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Next on our agenda is KCI. We talked about it a little bit up top because it had such a dominant performance in all the tournaments over the weekend, or at least the big ones. And now everyone is chatting about whether or not it should be banned out of the format or at least nerfed somehow. And I have opinions on what could or should be banned um, because I do agree that it's a good idea to do something to this deck since it is boring to watch and miserable to play against. Wow, spoilers. (laughs) I thought we were going to build up to this a little bit and talk about why it was good. But man, you went right for the throat. Yeah, I'm ready to draw a line in the sand. Stan, why don't you talk about this a little bit? Because I know that we've always kind of referenced KCI, but let's talk a little bit about like you know how it's working, you know how it fights through hate. That might be helpful to the listeners and to me, honestly. Can I say one quick thing off the top? Oh, please, please do. So, Dave. not none of us are claiming to be experts at this, piloting this deck. By the way, it's one. I don't think any of us have actually played it. We've all just watched it or played against it. Is that right? Yeah, I've played against it probably four times now, which is not a huge amount. How many times and, have you lost in those four times? Um, so I have lost all four times that I've won. I've gone to game three in two of them. So, you know, take that as you will. But yeah, it's a it's a very hard matchup. It's very hard for me. I feel like every time I'm playing against it, I, I have to relearn what the deck does and how it works. So I think a rundown would be particularly helpful for me. I've never played it. I've only watched it on YouTube oh, or wow, on stream. Okay. Yeah, same here. Same here. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. It's the boogeyman that doesn't seem to appear in a lot of local game stores. It's certainly not prevalent in either of the shops that I play. And I know Dave is uh, MTGO grinder. And even there, he's not seeing it a bunch. But once you enter the more competitive meta, so when you're looking at SCG top eights, top 16s, or GP day twos, you're going to be much more likely to face it. It, I think it's showing up uh, in SCG opens as saying something too, because formerly I think it was isolated to like the, the Sam Blacks and the Matt Nasses of the world where, okay, these, these brainiacs, these expert players can bring it and win with it. And when you see it showing up at a SCG, which is, you know, in all honesty, it's just a slightly lower tier of competitive, you know, competitive realm. And when people are winning with it there as well, you know, we see that the trickle down of the knowledge really allowing people to win with it at all skill levels. So this seems like a good point to talk about how KCI works. 
Uh, it is a combo deck, and it is designed to produce infinite mana, both colorless mana as well as the option for colored mana, depending on which cards you are using with your combo. And what makes it really competitive is that the deck, or the combo rather, is designed to essentially draw your whole deck as well as loop certain cards from the graveyard to your hand to the battlefield and onward. One of the most important cards to loop is Pyrite Spellbomb. Uh, Spine of Ishsa also works. The most important pieces of the combo are the Ironworks card, Scrap Trawler, and Mirror Retriever. Going into very specific details would take a lot of time and will make for bad podcasting. Much the same way Agreed. it kind of makes Thank for you. bad you know, streaming and on-screen time at the GPs. But uh, we can link to a video in our show notes that TCG Player put on YouTube, which does a really nice and beautiful job of demonstrating these loops. The too-long-didn't-read of it is that KCI itself functions as both a sack outlet and a mana engine, whereas yeah. the Scrap Trawler and the Mirror Retriever have these triggered abilities that allow you to return artifacts from your graveyard to your hand. And when you combine these three cards on the battlefield at the same time, you can sack and return one mana artifacts from your graveyard. And if you're using one mana artifacts like Terrarion or Mindstone, there are others, you both produce mana as well as drawing cards. So eventually you go through your whole deck, find a Pyrite Spell Bomb, cast that as many times as you need to go lethal and that's gg yeah the wild thing is when they're doing it with like a seven mana artifact like spine of irsa just to like remove the permanence on the other side of the battlefield and then sack it again it's because it's just when you're making unlimited mana you can do whatever you want with it yeah it's also worth noting pyrite spell bomb is not the only one con and one of the reasons this deck is so hard to beat because if say you manage to answer Spellbomb and remove it from the game. But for instance, KCI, Trawler, Mirror Retriever stick around. Especially KCI is the most important card to stick around. You can have an alternate win condition using Psy Master Thopterist is the popular one these days. And having these very different payoffs for the combo makes it resilient to hate, harder to beat, and uh, really, really good. So what's what's the real issue here, Stan, besides just the fact that it's a combo? So one issue is going through the process and the steps of the combo takes a while. And it uh, there's a rumored 10-minute turn that occurs among some KCI games. I mean, it's not just a rumor. I was watching a YouTube video last night of um an scg kind of pro level guy i I forget his name who was streaming it and it was just a capture of like here i am i'm playing kci in this league here's game one so i watched and it was like he had an eight or nine minute turn on moto just going through stuff like clicking 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 trying to find a win con trying to find a mirror retriever and it just kept going and going and going and finally it was like i don't need to be refreshed this much on how this deck works i'm just going to turn this off and go to sleep because and then when you woke so up, you were still comboing off eight hours yes. later. Exactly. I, I will say in uh, real life, I have played against Keith, like I mentioned. And the first time I was a little stubborn. And they're like, yeah, I can do this. I'm like, no, no, like, show me like 
make like I made him like play out the combo to see it, and it took you know I don't want to say ten minutes, but I felt like it took a considerable amount of time. And afterwards, I'm like, oh okay, I get it. Like I'm I'm gonna lose now, and I conceded. But I just feel like it if they really have to sit through and do it and make sure that they're not gonna fizzle, it can't take that long. Like it really is that time intensive. Yeah, I mean, once you can demonstrate a loop, it's usually. You know, it's usually what you could be called for slow play if you make them play out the entire loop. But getting to the loop is what can take forever. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, when they can demonstrate the loop is when I conceded. But up until then, like, it's like, you know, they're drawing, like Stan said, their entire deck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so problem number one is it takes forever. Yeah, what makes it what makes it resilient to hate? Because that's another one of the arguments that I hear about it. Yeah, so the biggest issue is the way it interacts with the rules of the game, making the deck hard to interact with. So, for instance, KCI itself is a mana ability, which doesn't use the stack. Um, So there's fewer opportunities to pass priority and react to what the KCI player is doing. Even more so, split-second spells can't get around that. You know what I mean? Like... Even right. like the most final, this is my thing. You can't stop it. Like they can respond to extirpate. You know what I mean? Like not that that super matters, I guess, or maybe it does. But it's just it's just wild that this it is it works off an ability that exists outside like normal magic rules or boundaries. Yeah, yeah well, just it, it 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 uses it in a different way. Yeah, exactly. A different access, if you will. Ooh, an access it's faster than light speed. Well, it's definitely not light speed because the deck is painfully <laughs> slow. No, that's true. But yeah, it plays around hate and there is there are cards that can break up the combo. So for instance, if there's no KCI on the board and you get one into the graveyard and then you surgical that KCI, I think there's no way for the KCI player to win except maybe Scrap Trawler beats, but that doesn't seem realistic. Or Psy. Um, you get enough tokens with Psy. Yeah, Psy, yes. But I'm not sure you can make enough tokens if you don't have the KCI engine. Ah, Because okay. you, need, you need all that mana to be able to cast enough to do artifacts. It. Maybe yeah. if they have a couple Thopters out that go unanswered, eventually they'll deal enough damage. But Psy still leans into the combo to really be a potent threat. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, on the basically on the topic of KCI's being a mana ability, Scrap Trawler and Mirror Retriever effects are triggered abilities. So cards like Stony Silence, which historically are good against Affinity because they stop activated abilities, aren't as good anymore. And the KCI player can just play around it, either with Psy or Gear Per Aether Grid. Um, so you have to work a lot harder to have meaningful decisions in KCI matchups. And sometimes those meaningful decisions don't exist. And does Psy get around like graveyard hate? Like if somebody is putting a whole bunch of artifacts in their graveyard, does the combination of like having Psy as a win con and also being able to sack stuff at mana speed help get around like, I mean, obviously it doesn't get around like rest in peace, but does it help get around timing for like relic and things like that? I can speak on that as someone who plays a main deck relic. So, um, I'm not stopping you, Zach. You honestly need two relics out at the same time. Because, like you said, everything goes off at instant speed and mana abilities don't even use the stack. So, like, everything they're doing is, on a, once again, a different axis than you are playing on. So you have the relic up and you're waiting for the right moment when Scrap Trawler targets a second Scrap Trawler to crack it. And then they had resilience around it. So while the crack of relics on the stack, 
they do something else and get it back on on top of that. So by the time Relic goes off, they have the card they wanted anyway. So you have to have a second one to hold up and make them go for that move and crack it then. And even then, ugh, it's just... When I did so, I I lived that dream. I lived the dream of two relics and got my opponent when they tried to go for the second time. One that game felt very positive. Game two, they brought in the Aether Grid, and it just oh, well, I lose to this. So <laughs> it just exactly. So like I can have them locked in their combo. I can know how to interrupt it, and they just bring in a card that directly my deck can't interact with. It is able to lock me out and that you know take their turn, do all this nonsense, etc. And it just feels like. If you cut them off somewhere else, they go another route, and I feel like you can kind of repeat that a few more times, and they'll find another route to go. Well explained. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Some of the effective cards for, or rather against KCI is, as I mentioned, Surgical Extraction, but that needs to be timed well. $45. That's right. Uh, You could also play Rest in Peace. Oh, you speculators listen to this podcast. Yeah, MTG Finance. So one of the most effective sideboard cards against KCI is a well-timed rest in peace. But again, one of the ways KCI is resilient against the hate is that it has naturalize and in the sideboard as well as negate. And some of the combos, or rather some of the loops within the deck, allow the KCI player to produce mana of any color. So it can lean into blue, white, or spells of other colors, even lightning bolt, to essentially get around whatever. Yeah. And it runs engineered explosives, right? So it in main yes. deck. So if you play rest in peace, they can still get rid of engineered explosives by by sunbursting it up, right? Oh yeah. And chalice. So that's a good summary of KCI Stan. I liked it. It's uh to the point. Just another broken artifact deck. Oh yeah, surprise. Anyway. Um so there's a lot of risk it will be banned because we see it really continually showing up at the you know top eights of these tournaments. And we see that it you know takes a long time, there's long turns, it's hard to interact with, it's dull to watch, it's all the things that wizards it, you know leverages fast mana, it's all the things that wizards has typically not really been a big fan of and as goes off on turn three. Yeah. All these things. So what exactly would be banned in the next band and restricted announcement to, you know, nerf or remove KCI from the format? Can I ask a question before we transition to this? Oh, please do. Why, why do you guys think this deck is worse than storm, for example, or something like that? Like, like works in terms of popular opinion. Yeah. Why, yeah. why is this deck more bannable than storm? Um, I feel like storm is faster and I, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I started playing modern with storm about five years ago and I, when it was bad. I played, sure. Yeah. I played power ascension, et cetera. A get probe at the time as well. Yeah. Anyway, the John um, Finkel deck. Yeah, exactly. Watch those streams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Uh, anyway, I feel like, the deck, that deck, uh, sometimes is nonsense, and I feel like sometimes I have my main board hate once again, and I lose still. But it can lose to itself; it can fizzle, and I feel like KCI. It probably can, but I've never. I've only seen it a couple times in person and a few times online. But I feel like they never fizzle. I feel like they are able to consistently just yeah, like on turn three, I'm doing this thing, and you kind of have to watch me do this thing. 
Well, Storm yeah. does a little bit of that, but I can sometimes be like, oh, okay, uh, Storm count at seven, your turn. And like, oh, okay, you fizzled, great. And like, I feel like that's a part of making a deck more fair is that sometimes you just lose to yourself, right? Yeah. Do you think it's, it's is, it, is it more is it more easily hated out with like a graveyard hate? Yes, that's my assessment. My feeling is that it is more easily hated out, but I just wanted to hear what you guys thought because I think it's one question that people are not asking that should we should be really clear about is that this deck is different from other non-interactive decks in a couple of different ways, right? Oh, sure. And even like with Storm, like one of their options is make a bunch of goblins with empty the Warrens. Board wipes are a thing, and some decks run the main board even. You know what I mean? And like... You so they can do their combo and then it's your turn. So you have a chance to respond to what they've done. And I think that's a huge fair point that KCA doesn't have. You know what I mean? Like they don't go off a little bit, then your turn, then they finish going off ideally. Ideally, they just go off right away, right? And Storm can sometimes literally go, I make 20 goblins, your turn, can you stop now? Right. Yeah, and so that's that's what I think is a big difference between this deck and Storm and this deck and Amulet Titan and and other things that people feel like are just sort of nonsense decks that they hate playing against or grizzle brand or like all kinds of different you know things that fit into this zone is that this one just works and it takes forever to work and it's super boring to play against i agree my opponent literally told me one time so this kills you and i went like no you have to explain to me walk me through this but then i went oh like it just kills me doesn't it like it, it just does kill me and i can't do anything about it yeah so guys, um, one thing I want to talk about is, so if they want to nerf or hit KCI in some way, shape or form, they really have a few options, right? And they ran, they range from being really narrow or having a wider impact across the modern format. So when they could re- just hit KCI, right? They could just, they could be decisive, definitive, say, you know, we don't the want card this itself, around. right? Yeah, specifically. The card, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I could be as, as, as specific as I can be. They could hit the magic card, Kark Clan Ironworks. Square on the face with a ban. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, just, just be like, peace, you, we don't like you. We don't want decks like you to be around. Yeah. And that would just, by just by you know, hitting that core combo card, that would leave, one that would leave every other deck alone that operates with, say, artifacts or with the fast mana of Mox Opal. You know, if they hit something like Mox Opal, which is, you know, free and fast mana has really been a constant ban target by Wizards in the past, and Mox Opal somehow has avoided a ban. Yeah. Um, maybe because the decks that it powers aren't really ever too busted, um, like Affinity. But we see decks like Hardened Scales, Affinity, Classic Affinity, Lantern Control, uh, KCI, they really rely on Mox Opal for those really powerful um, strategies to really go off. Um, maybe Hardened Scales might soon be the most powerful deck in modern. No one's playing, but those other ones like Affinity and uh, Lantern haven't really stuck around as, as tier one staples. Right. So I want to talk about the fast mana that they have banned in modern. And um, most of it are the red rituals, but there is a, uh, there's a Mox banned as well. Chrome Mox is banned, right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, to think about if that were allowed into the format, it would allow some legacy level shenanigans of like, okay, chalice on two on turn one, you're go like some nonsense like that, you know? Yeah. You know, and if you remove Mox Opal, it won't even really eliminate the core functional cards of the deck KCI. 
It gets a lot less powerful, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, the engine's still there. Like, if, if they got to the engine and they and they made it work, it's still a functional engine. Sure. It, it just, yeah, because that's slower. Yeah, the engine is what sucks. Can I propose that we kind of think about this as, like, level of specificity to the KCI deck? Yeah. So let's let's organize our thoughts here for a little bit really quick. So the the ground zero of of influencing just this deck is is KCI, right? Like yeah. the card itself, KCI. Yeah. One thing I want to say really quick about about the about Clark, that's such a hard word to say. It's a kind of works. It's so crazy. Um there are very very few um permanents that have sacrificed a permanent as an activated ability with no mana cost in yeah. modern. And so that's an indicator that a card is potentially able to be broken just on its face on its own, let alone the whole fact that the way that this card w- works, that it gives you mana and all that kind of stuff. Like the fact that it doesn't cost you anything in mana or tempo or, or uh, cards out of hand to, to work is kind of a big thing in itself. So I feel like if they don't ban that, there's just going to be other ways that that card eventually gets broken anyway. Yeah. So let's look at the next ring out of cards that are specific to KCI that would make the deck less powerful and not have any splash damage on other on other decks. And those cards are basically Scrap Trawler or Mirror Retriever, right? Yeah, yeah. So what do you guys think about a scenario where they just ban those two cards or one of those two cards? It leaves the door open for KCI to still be a deck in some form, you know, maybe not now, maybe eventually. It's also like, there's not the same, you know, it's, it's, it's saying, you know, KCI as a card, as the engine can exist, but we know without scrap trawler, it's going to be nerfed enough that it probably won't be played. Right. Wow. And Hey, how about if, if scrap trawler gets banned, how about Kaladesh block being one of the worst blocks of kind of the modern era of, of magic for, power level misses i oh, mean yeah. it, smuggler's copter was banned energy was banned was effectively banned in several different ways sure. in in standard and then now two years later we get a ban in modern from one of the cards in that in that set yeah the the, the set with the highest ban is probably mirrodin right so mirrodin, right. also artifacts exactly and then you go to this but then interesting i think the one after that is probably cons block because uh both dig through time and treasure cruiser banned because of delve yeah. yeah, that's a good mechanic, huh? Yes, absolutely. A lot of people wouldn't mind if the fetch lands were just out of modern, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fair. So is there anything else in this kind of, like, we're not going to ban the KCI card. We're going to ban a key component of the engine that's a secondary card. Is there any other cards that could fall into that territory for this deck? I think it's just those two. No, yeah, I just want to touch on the, the Scrab Trawler real quick. I think sure. that would effectively... Not gut it, but I think it would have less consistent top-level performances as previously. But then Wizards can't ever print a card, or they have to print it and then preemptively ban it, knowing this, that returned artifacts to the battlefield or your hand or anything like that. Yeah, over and over again anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. No, nothing that, yeah, if it bounced your hand once, that's fine. But something that can ETB and constantly be part of a loop like that, they'd have to either not print it or know ahead of time they are going to print this and then say with the release of it, it's not legal and modern, which would be wild. Yeah. You know, one thing that's funny about Scrap Trawler that I was, as I was watching this YouTube video, it's sort of like reverse birthing pod in this like <laughs> weird way. Like you count down, it comes out of the graveyard. There's all these weird restrictions on it, but that ability to, to replace a permanent with another permanent is just 
really, really powerful. The next ring out, or do you, so I was just going to go on to the next ring out from there, which is basically, do we look at banning one of the enablers of, of the deck, right? And so the cards that fall into that are things like Mox Opal, which we already talked about a little bit, and Ancient yep. Stirrings is the other main one that I think people would consider on that list. This is kind yep. of the largest area for splash damage to other decks, right? Sure. Right. What do you guys think about those scenarios? I'm not a fan. And I think unless Wizards is determined to shake up the format fundamentally, yes, then changing something as or banning something as significant as either Mox Opal, which is probably going to have of of the ones we're going to talk about next to KCI the fewest amount of implications. But if we consider something like Ancient Stirring or Faithless Looting, the splash damage is going to be so wide that I think it'll hurt modern potentially and challenge people's faith in the format i mean faithless, faithless. isn't really faithless looting the faithless we're back the faithless in this format everyone will become faithless in this format uh stan you're maybe jumping the gun a little bit because faithless looting isn't something that kci really runs they run ancient stirrings and uh, in a past episode we kind of talked about the power of ancient stirrings and why it was so ubiqu- ubiquitous in uh, 2018 and continues to be ubiquitous in 2019 i think that that kind of gives us a nice segue dave into the the larger realm of what might happen on the banned and restricted list yeah i mean i think that every couple of months there's a banned and restricted list in in you know update every format Usually one format is on fire going into every banned restricted update, whether it's someone's unhappy about standard or people are complaining about legacy with Deathrite Shaman a few months ago. You know, so now it's modern's turn, right? To have to have a couple of banned restricted cycles go by where everybody's complaining about stuff. And I think just like from personal experience or it might be good for us to talk for a minute about what really makes a deck bannable or a card bannable in general kind of emotionally but also specifically in um in modern so i know Mm -hmm. zach has done some research into what precedents there are in the past so i don't know if you want to throw a couple of more pieces of evidence on the fire here or not the fire is a clark clan ironworks throw it in the furnace okay so we're going to talk about that so when modern was created as a format they had mentioned at the time that they had that legacy legacy was considered a turn three format and that if you went on turn two, that was too soon, but considering, you know, uh, assembling a combo or killing someone on turn three was acceptable. So they pushed that forward for modern and considered modern a turn four format. So modern is supposed to be something that's a little slower than that. Something that you can't just kill people right away. So the idea was to have combos that took a little more time. And they also early on had banned the card second sunrise, which is part of the eggs combo at the time which was a deck that was very similar to KCI in that there's a lot of small cost of artifacts that you're sacrificing for incremental value and then returning to your hand and creating a loop with it, essentially, that is doing the same thing over and over again for incremental advantage. And part of the reason they had banned that card was that turns were taking 15, 20 minutes where it's they're not establishing a loop because the results are different, yes. but they're sh- but they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yes. So it's not exactly the same, but so they have to continually play it out. And that's not exactly a parallel to KCI, because for KCI, a lot of times they do have to get to a point where they have to establish it, and after that point, they do have it. So it's even a little more consistent. So the reason they had banned that was turns taking too long, players felt unengaged, it was unfun to watch, and was they felt it was bad for the health of the game. 
So that's a little different than this in that turns are consistently taking, you know, 15, 20 minutes for KCI. But the parallels are there where it's winning with a card like Spellbomb and it's winning through this incremental small damage. Yeah, I think that's a great summation of what the main problem with this deck is, right? And what this card is. But I, I unless we have some other things we're going to talk about this deck in particular or what kind of makes a deck bannable i think the thing that i kind of want to ask as a question is it feels like the last two or three weeks there's been this kind of rising tide of people being unhappy with the format even on the last podcast like shane made some sort of like under his breath comments about fun interactive decks you know we alluded to it earlier and i think we're at this real crossroads right now maybe in some ways where it's kind of like you know does kci just suck or does modern suck right now and so that's the question I want to ask you guys personally to tell me about your experiences playing modern recently. Man, asking the big questions, Dave. Modern's awesome. And that's why we started this podcast. And there being a couple boogeyman decks in the GP or day two level of competitive play, I don't think is enough to warrant a whole shakeup of the format. Um which if modern sucks, then that level of a shakeup would be necessary. But, you know, KCI is just one out of 40 decks. Right. I think one of the things that we've seen is that the format does self-police rather well. And that's one of the reasons that we are seeing Grixis Death Shadow show up again, right? Is because it does a pretty decent job of stopping some of the strategies like, uh, is it Phoenix? by stripping its hand and not allowing it to really go off and really get some of its super aggressive and uh, resilient, I guess just super aggressive starts, right? By, by streaming, stringing together the, the cantrips while also presenting its own fast clock. Um, but I think sometimes the self-policing isn't enough when a strategy as powerful as KCI exists, especially as more and more people get comfortable using it and piloting it. And we see what it does in the hands of, of talented pilots when they have 85% win rates, even at the GP level, against other very talented uh, pilots of other decks. So we might be to the point where I think what you asked earlier, Dave, is what makes a deck bannable, right? And I think it's a combination of, of metagame share, of what the deck is is doing that Wizards sees as kind of negative aspects of the game. And we've seen that be things like fast mana, and unfunness you know fundamentally it's a game they want people to enjoy playing it and to enjoy watching it especially as as coverage as they want to increase their coverage both with uh, paper and eat and uh, online sports and so i think that kci might be the, to the point where it's it's not able to be self-policed out of the format people aren't able to hate it out for the reasons we mentioned in the last segment or perhaps earlier this segment zach what do you think i think that it's a uh... Just to talk about Mox Opal again real quick, how that they dislike fast mana, but this deck is so good that if you took out the fast mana aspect, it could still exist in a way. Like, yeah. And and you, we can go into you know why Mox Opal bans would affect other decks in the format, but this d- problematic deck we're talking about, you can take out one of the best things that you can do in Magic, which is to create more resources and value than your opponent. And you can take that out of this deck and it's still a, a competitive deck. Yeah, I get, but my mm-hmm. question, the, the thing that I want to hear your response to is, is KCI 
broken or is modern broken right now? Oh, no, I don't think modern's broken. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, um, I think that there are the card. Like you mentioned previously that when the card pool gets big, you can start doing ridiculous stuff or like when the card pool is this big, decks just do these things and you have to be part of it. And I think that modern is more on top of bannings than other formats in Magic are where they're trying to create more of a sort of stylized or idealized format. So I think that modern's cool and that you can play a bunch of different stuff and a bunch of different stuff is viable and you can win with it. But that what KCI is doing is not sort of indicative of what modern is as a format. And we talked about Phoenix, you know, a few episodes ago, and that's a good, powerful, interesting deck, but it's not operating on the same axis the KCI is where you can't just stop it once it gets going. Zach said axis again. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think I didn't really answer your question, Dave, earlier. And I think that I have concerns about modern broadly and the fact that a, a classic mid-range deck is essentially unplayable right now, I think is not necessarily a good thing. Some people might point to Tron as the reason for mid-range not really being playable. I think that's not a fair argument. I think mid-range has a lot of tools to beat up on Tron right now, but people do like pointing to Tron being a busted strategy that keeps is, is a police that keeps another police out, keeps like a slightly different, uh, police of mid-range with its pile of removal out of the format, right. which is a potential concern. Right. But, but when you say it's not playable right now, just to be clear, like if you roll up to your LGS with with green-black mid-range, yeah. as someone who is good at piloting decks like that, do you think you're severely penalized to have success there? Or are you just worried about taking a deck like that to a Grand Prix? Yeah, I think you're getting at a good point, Dave, right? Which is kind of what's the, and it speaks to our audience of the show, right? Which is, you know, if you, if you know your deck fairly well and you're not playing something that's totally rogue, you could, you can roll to, you know, a four round tournament and, you know, go three, one and cash. And you're going to be totally happy doing that. And, you know, even something like a, you know, a, a, a seven round local tournament, you're, you can, you can take a mid range deck and win with it. I think it's one of those things that when we see across, you know, 700 players, a thousand players at a tournament, what's going to rise to the top is going to be different over time, you know, with repeated results versus kind of the local metagame with a, with a smaller uh, round sample size. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that's really interesting, both about magic at this point in time and about modern specifically is just this weird kind of split between stuff that's really high level play where people get inspiration and get to try out new things. But also the fact that at kind of local play, you can have John guy who's just always going to be John guy. And maybe, you know, once a year he's going to pick up whatever card ends up being printed that fits in there, but he's going to come out and he might do well. And he might be sort of like the, the bane of your personal tournament existence because you don't know what to do against Liliana you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's that's kind of what your experience is like. And so I I think that part of the reason I wanted to talk about this is a little bit is because what Stan said earlier, which is basically, you know, KCI is bad. It's making it bad to watch modern magic. It's making that particular zone of entertainment for people like us be unfun. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we want to stir up the whole format right now and get rid of a bunch of other cards like Mox Opal or Ancient Stirrings or Faithless Looting. 
those are definitely yeah. things that we should keep an eye on. But, and even honestly, I think Manamorphose is on that list of cards that should be considered for, for kind of like being on the watch list just because it's starting to get more and more pervasive in decks. But I think that given that that split is we should try to target specific things very, very closely and not try to do general bans that are going to, going to flip over large parts of the entire viable deck universe in the format. Can I uh, quickly ask you why you think Manamorphos should be on that list? I don't, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I haven't heard that before. I just think it's one of those cards that like, you know, it's more in the get probe zone of cards that could be banned than it is in something that's inherently powerful. But if you look at like cards that get banned in modern, another thing that gets you banned is something that's just has very, very low to to no downside to play and just replaces itself. And so, you know, I also think that Street Wraith is probably on a list somewhere as something that people should keep an eye on for a similar reason, because it just costs you two life to draw a card. And if you are in a deck that wants a card in the graveyard or wants a creature in the graveyard or wants to discard a card a la Hala one, you know, you should be keeping an eye on Street Wraith because if it gets too crazy and ends up in too many different decks, they're going to chuck it the same way that they did with Git Probe. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about what we kind of referenced earlier, kind of the, the, the two or three cards that everyone's been talking about for you know months and months, even before this most recent ban and restricted list that's coming up. I think starting with Ancient Stirrings, perhaps. Yeah, I know I got ahead of myself earlier, but I'm going to reiterate what I said, which is banning Ancient Stirrings, although it's not going to affect half the meta, it'll affect more than one deck. And unless Wizards is interested in changing modern fundamentally, then Ancient Stirring seems pretty safe. And probably, I think, it's still healthy in modern. The fact that it enables a lot of decks, you can say that about so many cards, but it doesn't necessarily break those decks. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm mildly concerned. I'm looking at the decks that are is using ancient stirrings right now on Goldfish, and we see Ironworks, Mono Green Tron, Amulet Titan, Hardened Scales Affinity, and Lantern Control and Prison decks. And these are decks that people, by and large, do not like playing against. And I think that's one of the reasons that you know people don't like stirrings for you know, what we talked about a few episodes ago, right? Is you know oh Ponder's banned, Preordain's banned. Why is an ancient stirrings banned? And I think it's an argument a lot of people make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why not just unban Ponder and Preordain if we're going to let this if we're going to let ancient stirrings be in the format? Yeah, I think I think really that we kind of rely on the deck building restrictions to around ancient stirrings to keep it sort of in check. But these are a lot of decks. I think a number of people think. Would be, the format would be fine without, but I'm not so sure. I say this as a Tron player, of course. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then Faithless Looting is just a similar argument, you think, Stan? Yeah, I think Faithless Looting would be perhaps more devastating to modern, just because it's seen in more decks than Ancient Stirrings. You yeah. know, we talk, lately there's been a lot of conversation over the last couple of months about whether Arena is going to kill modern. And I think if we see you know, massive action from wizards like banning a card such as Faithless Looting or Ancient Stirrings, that could be more indicative of the future of modern than banning just KCI. Yeah, like basically if they're saying we're going to ban powerful cards because they do powerful things that enable 
really fast linear strategies to exist. I think that that is a big risk on their part to say, what are the consequences of nerfing five strategies at once? I think that's really hard for them to tell. And I think they're much more likely to kind of address individual strategies at the time. The last time we saw a really big banning, I think, was Gataxian Probe, correct? You mean just for kind of overall pervasiveness? Yes, just overall pervasiveness, besides Splinter Twin, of course. But then after that, kind of Git Probe was just in a bunch of decks as just a free card that allowed yeah. you to do cool things. Stuff, right? Like it enabled Storm Count. It helped your life total get low on, in early Death Shadow decks. Delve you know, that, uh, become immense. Yeah, exactly. Become immense and in fact and check, take a look and see if the coast is clear, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, so I don't think we've really seen a widespread ban like like uh, Ancient Stirrings um, the would-be besides that. I wanted to touch on the question about why Ponder and Preordain should stay banned, but Faithless Looting aren't. What we haven't mentioned is that Ponder and Preordain are one-mana cantrips, and Blue has plenty of those still yes. in Modern, yes. whereas Green doesn't have access to anything like that except for ancient Stern. well we got adventurous journey and oath of nissa and they got a few that aren't as powerful it's true but point remains yeah i looked up if if ancient stirrings gets banned what am i gonna have to play in tron and like essentially it's oath of nissa which is much less good than ancient stirrings um so i immediately had to order uh, four russian of those i think we're kind of skipping over faithless faithless looting a little bit um and is this just another one of those cards that people are saying the decks that it's powering are are too powerful and too linear and I can't really interact with them and they're going off on turn three, turn four too frequently? I think it's mostly about making decks too consistent. Yeah, I agree with that. Is what Faithless Looting is all about. That's kind of a good point because that's the issue with Ancient Stirrings as well, right? right? It's, yeah. That enables consistency. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no effect really like it. I mean, it doesn't... It, you know, in any, in anything else. So, I mean, I would be sad to see it go. I happen to be a person who plays a ton, a ton of faithless looting decks at this point in time, but, um, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think this is a good opportunity to point out that by and large wizards has done a pretty good job with the banned and restricted status of modern with only a handful of exceptions where they, banned and then unbanned cards or rather unbanned and then rebanned cards lately they've been pretty quick to and, and and done a good job of targeting the cards that really do make the format unfun and if we let popular opinion have its way all the time then we would have maybe done something to lantern control or boggles earlier in 2018 after those decks won gps and a lot of yeah. reddit and the magic community at large got upset by those but with time we saw that those decks though strong and viable not necessarily the most powerful decks in the format either so yeah. i mean people wanted to ban death shadow at one point in time sure oh, yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah so kci is an exception right it's, it's not boggles or lantern and probably it's more worthy of a ban than those two decks but we should also bear in mind that the ban is a powerful tool that we should use responsibly. Man, I played against Boggles for the first time ever, if you can believe that, uh, in paper last night. And I was 
turned three Daybreak Coronet both games, and when you're playing Hollow One, that's just basically a good game. It was absurd. I couldn't believe how fast and powerful just suiting up a little slippery bogle could be. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to make a 4-4 on turn two, and they're like, ha, that's cute. Yeah, exactly. I made a turn. I made a turn one. I had, I had, and then I made a turn one. One game, a turn one. Uh, let's not talk about this. Nobody cares about your dreams or your bad beat stories, Shane. <laughs> exactly. That's what that NPR story told me that one time. Going back to what Stan said, I think that he's right. I think that you know the ban and restricted list does keep modern in pretty good shape. I think the people who say unban everything are completely insane. I think the format would be would be All really dropping. really bad. All, probably, well, I mean, oh, probably yeah, would yeah. be. Oh, Drowsy and then uh, Grover the Burn Willows punishing Jund over and over and over again. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a number of cards that have been banned for good reason. I think that we'll continue to see a curated list. What I want to hear from you guys is what's your called shot? Yes, that's what I was just going to say. Call some shots. Let's call those shots. January 21st at 9 a.m. Pacific time or whatever, the whenever the ban list goes over. Maybe it's noon Pacific time. Or maybe it'll be on some games award show inexplicably. <laughs> <laughs> the golden joysticks. <laughs> oh, we have a band and restricted announcement coming in right now. Real time. Olivia Munn. Tell yeah. us what's new and modern. The Kai's <laughs> advocates. Okay. I, I'm going to call my shot. I think it's scrap troller. Okay. So you're going with the soft band kind of. I think yeah, I think that it, I think that it makes KCI essentially unplayable, but they kind of leave that door open to have getting people's good graces. Okay. Stan, why don't you go next? I'm going to say on January 21st, they're going to make no changes to all formats, say they're going to keep an eye on it, and then a week later do an emergency ban on KCI specifically. Is there a tournament that you're seeing happening? No, they're going to look at MTGO data. (laughs) That's a rude thing to say. (laughs) Exactly. So Stan, looking at the upcoming Magic Fest schedule, I see that Toronto, uh, February 8 to 10, is a modern one. You're thinking that maybe they're like, we're going to watch this one more time. And then if it's really bad there, then they do an emergency ban. I think that's not unreasonable. They do emergency ban sometimes. They... Do have plenty of data by now. I mean, 2018 yeah. saw a lot of results for KCI. So it would be silly if they did it then. But they've done emergency bans before, right? Yeah, they don't want to go into the first two weeks of March when they have three separate modern Magic Fests. I can't say. No, Magic Fest is where the GP happens, correct? So correct. I can still call it a GP. Okay. so <laughs> Magic Fest is where the GP they, happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have, they have they have three GPs happening in the beginning of March, and they definitely will not want to go into that with KCI still wrecking everybody. No one will show up. I'd stay home. I'm staying home right now, in fact. Or they'll just complain about it the whole time on Twitter, and that's not a good look either. No, they don't want that. So what's your called shot there, uh, Dave and Zach? Zach, do you <laughs> yep. think you have a hotter take than I do? Uh, I think I might. Okay, I'm going to go, because mine is straight down the middle. I think it's January 21st, KCI is banned, full stop. Yeah, easy breezy. Easy breezy. So, Zach, where's your, fire up the, your furnace of hot takes. All right, okay, so I got the grill on, both lights lit. Yeah, yes. <laughs> full setup. I think that not only will KCI be banned, I think Mox Opal will also be banned. Or at least I want this in my heart of hearts and believe it is the right call. We 
KCI is a problem here, and I fully admit and agree with that, and killing that would kill the deck. But Mox Opal has allowed a lot of fringe shenanigans that I, quite frankly, don't agree with or like to exist. And I think that the banning of both of them would create, in my opinion, a healthier modern format. Yeah, I was reminded of the power of Mox Opal when I was watching uh, Rietzel pilot Hardened Scales again. And he did that classic maneuver that I remember doing a few times where you you uh, you drop your Mox Opal, you tap it for mana, you sack it to your Archon Ravager, you play your second one from hand, and then you tap that for mana again. Because why not? Just make a ton of free mana. Why not? Lotus Petal is not good enough. All right, so this seems like a good opportunity to move into the wind down. I appreciate everyone's input on their cold takes and their hot opinions. I want to hear real quick, what have people been playing? And uh, I can start off by saying Dave and I pretty much decided that we were going to test blue-white control for a little bit. And I did two LGS leagues with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And my win rate was 26%. (laughs) Oh, two LGS leagues and he is ready to walk out the door done yeah I'm ready to sell my Teferi I played against GDS twice and lost both times uh, lost four out of five games to them mostly due to stubborn denial catching me every time and Stubby. I guess in some cases not yeah it's such a good card and uh, I mean even if I get my terminus on time it's a one mana answer um although in theory i could line up several counters it just never worked out and it is what it is though i did learn a very very valuable lesson for people playing blue white or any field of ruin deck against grixis death shadow target their red sources with your field of ruin because yeah. they almost never they run a basic don't mountain. have mountains yep yeah exactly true i also played against jeskai twice um in fact it was Two rounds in a row, I was paired up against Jeskai. And I think that's that an act- fun. Yeah, I think it's an actively bad matchup for Blue White because the decks are very similar, but Jeskai has the extra threats of burn spells that they can leverage, you know, if I tap out or at their end step or both. So having the angels in the sideboard helps. Um, or if you're in a control meta, sometimes you might play Geist of St. Traft. But in general, if you really need to lean into a couple sideboard cards, you're probably unfavored in that matchup. Um, I also played against blue-white in a mirror match. And my hot take with that is if you're playing a blue-white mirror match, treat it like a best-of-one game because it's going to take at least 40 minutes. And you just want to be the (laughs) one person (laughs) one. So, so Stan, it sounds like you're really feeling you're really feeling blue white control. He's getting right now. less energetic as he as he goes through this <laughs> list of things. Can I can I hop in here for a second and just say I had a great time playing it on Moto? Yeah, what were your matchups? So I went I went three two. Um, I definitely could have gone at four one. I don't think I could have beaten uh, Amulet Titan very very easily. So that was the one loss that I feel like was square. I I definitely barely missed playing against merfolk in the first round somehow and and lost that so i mean blue white should just destroy creature decks and i played into a bad situation where they had two counters and didn't see it coming um but it was great and i don't know if you guys remember but i was on our like group slack being like check it out this just happened and this just happened and this just happened i mean it is not an easy deck to play 
Okay. <laughs> Blue eye control is like every decision, every tiny, tiny decision counts so much. And it's all about figuring out if you are on the, uh, how fast you need to get a terminus going, or if you, if a terminus is a totally bad draw in the, in the, the game that you're playing. But, um, I had, I had a lot of fun. You know, I played a, um, I played a mirror match with, with blue white control. That was probably one of the most fun matches that I've played in, in a while. And weirdly, I, I had, um, I had to go, all of my wins were 2-0. And I would have lost all of them to the clock on Moto if they had gone to right. game three because I was just like I, I went down to like three minutes on the timer every single time. I started with um, McWin Sauce's deck from the Modern Finals on New Year's Day that we talked about on the last episode. I don't know if you guys know this person on on Magic Online, but they are no, a player it's my that, favorite burger topping. I mean, it's good, yeah, the McWin Sauce. But they uh, they play they play blue eye control basically every tournament. They're in a lot of the modern challenges. They make the top sixteen, top eight of the modern challenges quite frequently. So it's weird because it's a deck that's just full of a ton of one ofs, and I felt like it just really worked. Like when I needed to go for a timely resource or timely reinforcements, I could kind of dig it up. When I was in a position where I could play ancestral vision, I could kind of get there and use it. So. I don't know. I had a I had a good time playing it. I do think it's a pow- it's a powerful deck right now and feels like it could fit into the meta. I I definitely would do it again, but um man, I would really need to be kind of isolated in a room where I could concentrate on all the plays that I and have I'm no doing. children. Yeah, I mean that that was the hard part is that I I feel like I lost a couple of games or almost lost a couple of games to just making mistakes that were due to lack of concentration more than anything else. Uh, Zach, what have you been doing? Um, I've been playing Scred Red per usual. Hold on, do you do on? Do you play Scred? Yeah, no, it's like a, a little known fact about me that like I play Snow Cover Mountains, but no, I've been playing that. Uh, I'm really excited to start playing Burn again soon. There was that uh, the recent card that was revealed, the Skewer the Critics, where it's the uh, deal three damage to any target sorcery, and it had normally is cost three mana, but Spectacle deals one. And I am very excited to, because I have Burn and I played it and I enjoy it. And I think that Burn's already popping up and lurking and is very good in the meta. And I think with this new card, I'm very excited to start pouncing back into action. Yeah, and we'll probably talk more spoilers next week once we have. Oh, for sure. I'm just excited from, about Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. And I, I'm really excited about talking Ravnica Allegiance, you know, next episode. Can I, can I make a pledge to listeners here right now? about a spoiler episode that the four of us do yes all killer no filler please okay we are going to please prune down the number of cards that we talk about and have great stories or great ideas to tell about the cards we do throw into the bucket and leave the rest to history oh yeah absolutely so um i played some hollow one it's the first time i've been back in a store playing paper in like two months and playing hollow one it was definitely somewhat challenging because i had to remember some graveyard triggers i had to remember you know i had to do some dexterity stuff with cards uh, we were rolling dice to you know pick which cards came out of the goblin lore and the and the burning inquiry so that was a lot of fun um I'm not going to talk about any of the games. Nothing really stood out in the small sample size, but it was fun to play again. I had a couple, I had a lot of hollow ones go to the bin in the die rolls, and I had uh, a couple hollow ones on turn one. So, you know, some days chicken, some days feathers. I've never heard that idiom before. That is Shane's favorite idiom. He says it all the time. 
Oh, and Dave, the fact that Dave notices just shows how often I say it or how good friends we are. I think that just about wraps it up for this episode of The Dive Down. Thank you, as always, to my co-host for this very fruitful conversation. And thank you to the listeners for your time. As always, we'd love if you subscribe to our podcast. And if you're on iTunes, you can rate it. Um, We read comments on Reddit as well. You could tweet at us. We are at the dive down, no spaces. You can email us the dive down at gmail.com, no spaces. Or if you see us on Reddit, we want to hear your feedback, especially because this is only episode four. We want to make the show as good for you as it is for us. So please reach out questions, comments, feedback, or concerns. We love to hear it. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye.